So as an introduction today, we're starting um, with looking at Jesus and the Holy Spirit, his life lived in the Spirit and his ministry that he carried out through the Spirit. So we're going to, this morning, step through Jesus's life and look at some of the pivotal moments that he had um, in his life and ministry. So the first pivotal moment in Jesus' life was a moment that really, to be fair, is pivotal for any person. Um, It was that transforming moment of going from not existing to existing, from being just like maybe a thought or a dream or a plan to an actual reality. And now this pivotal moment, it probably had less to do with Jesus himself in terms of his involvement in it, um, and more to do with his mum, because she was the one dealing with it at the time. But the moment that Jesus came to life, conceived by the Spirit, still would have been a big deal for him as a person, regardless of whether he could remember it or not. Right from his very beginning, from the moment that the Word became actual human life, the Spirit was present, the Spirit was moving, the Spirit was working. And the Spirit had to be present and moving and working because this was no regular child coming into the world. This child was the Word and had been there at the beginning. This child was the Word and had been there with God and was God. Through this child that was the word, everything had been created. And this child that was the word brought and gave light to everything in this world, and the darkness could not extinguish it. This child was the word, and the word was becoming human, God becoming human. So this was no regular conception. Jesus was conceived of the Spirit, Luke 1 tells the story of the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary and telling her that she was going to have a child and name him Jesus. And then Mary's like, oh, I'm not sure how that's going to happen. And Gabriel tells her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. From before his first heartbeat, Before his first breath, Jesus was given life by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, the Word became flesh, God incarnate, our Emmanuel. At Jesus' conception, the Spirit was present, moving, and working. Following Jesus' miraculous conception, we don't actually hear too much else about his early life for a while. We hear about his birth and then a couple of events from his childhood, but besides that, it's all really quiet until he reaches the age of 30. And the reason that we don't hear a lot about him between those stages isn't because he had like a dark past that needed to be hidden, but it was because his life up to the age of 30 was all just really plain and ordinary and probably just a bit boring to read about. Just like any other Jewish boy, Jesus grew up in his family. He learned the trade of his father. He became a carpenter, and that was his job, and he was just living his life. And there wasn't all that much to note about it. It wasn't until Jesus turned 30 and was down at the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist that his next pivotal moment came. Luke 3 tells us, 
One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. All of a sudden, things are now different for Jesus. No longer is he just a Jewish man, a carpenter's son. Now he is declared to be full of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit's power as he travels around. And then in Luke 4, verses 18 to 21, Jesus declares this scripture of himself. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Before his baptism, Jesus was quite a regular guy. He was a good guy. I mean, in fact, he was the good guy. In terms of moral standards, no one could match him. But aside from keeping the law perfectly, he just carried on like everyone else. His brothers and sisters probably just accepted him as any other person. His friends probably just enjoyed him as a friend. I imagine his parents, maybe they had an inkling that something was going to happen at some stage, that his life wasn't always going to be regular. But for all intents and purposes, until he was baptized, Jesus' life was pretty regular. And then, as he is baptized by John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit descends upon him from heaven like a dove, suddenly everything has changed. Jesus can no longer just live a regular life. Jesus, Jesus can no longer just be one of the family or one of the boys. There is more to be done. There was more that he had been called to do. And now, now that the Holy Spirit had descended, he knows that that was his anointment. And now it is his time to get stuck into it. Because from this point forward, Jesus would no longer live by human power. He would live by the power of God's Spirit. Now is his time to bring the good news to the poor, to proclaim release for the captives, sight for the blind, and freedom for the oppressed. For the Holy Spirit had descended, and the Lord's favor had come. At Jesus' baptism, the Spirit was present, moving, and working. After Jesus' baptism, Jesus began performing miracles, giving signs, healing the sick, casting out demons, and teaching about the kingdom of God. The next three years of Jesus' life are what we read about in the Gospels. In those three years, Jesus gathered disciples. He traveled and he taught, he sent out, he healed, he prayed, he showed compassion and mercy. And then Jesus wept and he took up his cross and he was beaten, mocked and scorned for his hour had come. And Jesus was nailed to that cross, hung up between two criminals. He called out to his father, he breathed his last breath and the world, it fell into darkness. But not for too long. For those three years of life-giving ministry, 
the disciples and the people there saw three days of darkness without their saviour. But it wasn't the end because the spirit was present, was moving and was working. On the third day, the tomb was found empty and Jesus was seen walking, alive, breathing. That same spirit that had descended and rested upon Jesus from his baptism was the same spirit that then raised him from death to life on that third day and put death in its grave. Which brings us to our final pivotal moment of Jesus and the Spirit. Throughout his ministry, Jesus had promised his disciples that they wouldn't be left alone when he left them. In John 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus promises his disciples, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus tells his disciples of another advocate who will come. Jesus is the first advocate, God's own son, word became flesh. And in Jesus' absence, when his time has come, the father will send another advocate And the disciples, they already know this advocate because they can recognize this advocate because it's the same power who lives in their friend Jesus. The same power that has enabled their ministry as they've walked with them. And soon that same power won't just dwell with them, but inside each of them. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to them again right before he ascends into heaven saying in Acts 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, until the ends of the earth. And a chapter later in Acts 2, the disciples received the Spirit and power at Pentecost. This is Jesus' final act in his ministry with the Spirit here on earth, that he would impart it to his followers. The same power that conceived him, anointed him, empowered him, and raised him is now given endlessly to his followers so that they might be witnesses through the whole earth. At the end of Jesus's time here on earth, the Spirit is present, the Spirit is moving, and it is working. The beginning of John chapter 3 brings us this account. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? asked Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. 
The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you, can't, as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, comes quietly to Jesus one night seeking some answers. He identifies that God must be with Jesus as his miraculous works give evidence to that. To which Jesus replies, yeah, that's right. One couldn't do these things unless God was with him, just as one can't see the kingdom of God without first being born again. Nicodemus is astounded at Jesus' response because he thinks, how can an old man like me climb back inside his mother and expect her to birth him again? How is it going to be possible for anyone to be reborn? Jesus has to clarify for him that the rebirth he's speaking of is not a human rebirthing, but rather a spiritual birthing. Humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to a spiritual life. And in order to enter the kingdom of God, one must also be born of the Spirit. We see the fruit of Jesus being born of the Spirit in his life and in his ministry. Jesus was conceived in the Spirit. As word became flesh, God became man, Emmanuel, God with us. Then when the Spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism, like a dove from heaven, he was with us and God's power was with him. And his life lived from that point became extraordinary. Jesus lived and walked with an anointing, a new purpose, a new message, a new mission. And even when he was put to death, he carried that anointing, that purpose, that mission, that message of hope through the grave with him. And he immortalized it on the other side in new resurrected life. Then, as Jesus' time on earth came to an end, that gift was given to those of us who remained here. The power was imparted to us, and now it lives in us. And we receive that power. We welcome it into our lives when we are born of the Spirit. To be born of the Spirit is to allow God to transform you, to anoint you, to give you purpose and to invite you into his mission to carry his message of hope to the ends of the earth. To be born of the Spirit is to no longer live by human power or by your own power, but to live in God's power alone. This is the rebirth that Jesus was speaking about with Nicodemus. And it is the rebirth that each of us are welcomed into as followers of Jesus. There is nothing that we can do in our power to be spiritually reborn other than to accept our invitation, opening ourselves to God and allowing him to begin the transformative work in us. As we begin this series on the Holy Spirit, I remind you that awaiting each and every one of you is an invitation to be reborn an invitation to allow God to transform you by the power of his Holy Spirit. So we're going to take a few minutes now just to simply sit again.
to be still before God, to bring yourselves and everything that comes with you before him. And if you would like to, maybe you'll feel prompted to, you can accept that invitation that's ever present for God to step in and begin transforming you by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you'd like someone to pray with you, I'll be up here up the front, you can come and see me, or you might like to turn to whoever's around you and they will be happy to pray for you as well. The Spirit is here, it is present, it is working, it is moving among us. Will you make yourself available this morning to receive him?